And welcome back to Archives of Fabella Daily, the only podcast flying through time in a magical world. Books are available on Amazon. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And hit that subscribe button for more great stories right in your feed. I'm going to take a break from my Today in History series to bring you a special preview. For the past few years, I've been hard at work on a new book in the Archives of Fabella universe. Titled Paragon Tournament, this novel is about a young woman who is brought to Fabella to compete in a high-stakes competition of 12 events, testing her in ways she cannot imagine. It's the Olympics in Narnia, y'all! It's just me doing this right now, so I have to wear all the hats, including Hype Man. And this is something that I'm not sorry to hype! What you're about to hear is narrated by a couple I hired off of Fiverr. The account is under the name Matthew T.W., which is the dude, so I legitimately don't know the name of the actress who does most of the work here. Listen to the opening of this one-of-a-kind tale of love, war, and life in Fabella. More details will be coming in the following months. For now, sit back, relax, and let your mind wander to a magical new story. I'm Dylan Foley, and this is Archives of Fabella. Beyond our world, there is love. Beyond our world, there is war. Beyond our world, there is life. Beyond our world, there is Fabella. July 2000. Amanda Miller was 800 meters away from being an Olympian. The 2000 Olympic track and field trials were underway at Hornet Stadium. At stake was a first-class ticket to Sydney, Australia. There, she hoped to become the greatest female champion in the world. Amanda always pushed her body to the absolute limit, and this was no exception. Her red sneakers, paired with the girl-next-door looks, led some fellow athletes to call her Dorothy of Oz. Amanda rebelled against the notion that she was in any way naive or unprofessional. At 25, the paragon of human excellence checked all the boxes anyone could want for a star athlete. Speed, endurance, grit, the trifecta. When she stepped onto the track, the five-foot-nine powerhouse of human agility was in full control, and everyone knew it. The only challenge left for her to conquer was the 800-metre run. The Sacramento sun beat down on her as she stuffed her sable-brown hair into a tight ponytail. Her performance had fallen a little short of expectations, but there was still hope. Being on the edge of losing everything was where Amanda Miller excelled. 
The best she could do now was taking third place to make the team, but she had to win the race. The echo of the starting gun sent her flying into a dead sprint. All the runners converged in a wild clump. Nine women fought to command the inside lane. Each runner was a mere fraction of an inch away from the athlete sneakers in front of them. Amanda sped to keep up with the brisk pace set by her competitors. As the finish line drew closer, she recovered and ran even with the leader. A rogue leg from a rookie smashed into Amanda's right calf. Three runners fell in a tangled mess of legs and she was one of them. Sneakers of the rest of the runners trampled over her as she lay on the track in agony. In less than a second, the promise of being an Olympian slipped away from her grasp. Some setbacks could be a step forward. Our magical story is one of struggle and the inherent human desire to succeed against all odds. Little did Amanda know, events were in motion that would take her far beyond her wildest dreams. December 2000 When I accident, I accident hard. Amanda Miller's life motto rang true months after the Olympic trials. She never finished the race, settling for a disqualification. Amanda never saw the point in trying hard just to fail. Instead of jetting off to Sydney, she retreated back to the New York apartment to face an uncertain future. After months of wallowing and a few midnight depression cupcakes, she finally began to emerge from her pit of despair. By December the 18th, she put the past behind her long enough to carry on a birthday lunch conversation with her little brother. It was nice to have family in the same city. David was still the responsible one of the Miller clan. Amanda was the kid always getting herself into trouble. At 23, her bookish baby brother was at a crossroads too. He wanted to be a photographer, but wound up making the trek to the World Trade Center every day. How do you think I'd look with a full-face tattoo? Asked baby-faced David, unaware of the mustard on his upper lip. Why not go for a huge dragon right across the chest? Said Amanda, as she rooted through her light pink Fendi baguette, looking for her Alexander McQueen scarf. That'd be sweet. David was 5'10", and so lean, the business suit he wore to work made him look like a boy trying on his father's three-piece suit. They were only buying time. Amanda knew exactly why David had called this luncheon at a deli in the heart of the New York financial district. Her green eyes studied David, daring him to break first. Hanukkah starts on Thursday, said David. That it does, returned Amanda, pulling the sleeves of her white cardigan over her chilly fingers. David squirmed in his seat. That wasn't the reply he wanted to hear. You got any plans? Amanda swung back at him like they were playing a tennis game of words. I'm just going to stay in the city this year. A friend of mine is flying in from Honolulu for New Year's, so I hope to catch up with her. What about you? 
David frowned over his empty plate. Why do you have to be so difficult? I don't know what you mean. Amanda was the grand master at verbal tennis. Her baby brother wasn't going to get anything past her. Go on, Dave. Say it. David grew more and more uncomfortable with each passing second. I know exactly what you're going to say, so there's no use bringing it up. Great, so don't. Amanda slid the checkbook to him. You're the one with the job at the Twin Towers, and it's my birthday, so you can pay. David didn't break eye contact with Amanda for a second as he reached for his wallet. I'm not letting you leave this restaurant until we at least discuss it. What's there to discuss? I made my stance on the subject clear. Amanda could continue this back and forth for days. The dragon tattoo on your chest is the best way to go. This feud you have with Mum and Dad has to end. David threw up his hands in surrender. There, I said it. You happy? Even though she'd claimed victory, Amanda wasn't happy. I came out to them, Dave. Yeah, but... Amanda rolled over his rebuttal like an 18-wheeler against a Twinkie. And they treated me like trash. I'm not the one who's on the wrong side of the issue here. Lighting the menorah together isn't enough to make things right between us. At this point, I'm not sure what can. It would take some kind of supernatural intervention for me to step through the door again. From as far back as she could remember, Amanda was always bisexual. She usually had about three or four crushes circling through her mind like sharks at one time. Still, her insatiable lust for other women remained constant and hard to ignore. Her family was Jewish, so she had many reservations about coming out of the closet a year ago. It did not go well. All I want is to have one lunch with you when we don't discuss Mom and Dad. Amanda couldn't make herself any clearer on this point. I just want to move on, and I'm trying to make my peace with the fact that my future may not include them. David was the only one in the family who accepted Amanda. For what it's worth, when you told me you were bi, I never thought less of you. I know. Amanda forced a smile, wishing her parents could be as open-minded. People are creatures of habit. Humans don't pursue things that have no connection to their own happiness. I'm going to live my life on my terms. I want to be free. I'm meant for something great. I can feel it. Something big is coming. I don't know what it is yet, but I know it's going to be incredible. I hope you find what you're looking for, sis, replied David. One of us could use a win. If she was honest with herself, Amanda didn't know what she was looking for. A few weeks before New Year's Eve, Amanda received a strange letter in the mail. Somebody produced it on a typewriter with blocks of messages not quite aligned right and some with a little more ink than others. December 21st, 2000. To Amanda Miller. You're invited to attend an exclusive training camp. This once-in-a-lifetime opportunity will take place Sunday, March 1st to Saturday, April 7th, 2001 
at El Dorado Ranch and Campground in Los Angeles, California. Athletes of all nationalities and skills are welcome. Please fill out the included registration form and RSVP to the return address. Register early. Athletes should prepare to compete. The camp will take place at the El Dorado Ranch. Food and boarding will be provided. We look forward to your response. Dr. Sarah Mandarino. Amanda had never heard of a training camp like this before. She set it on her bedroom dresser, full of junk mail, and forgot all about the letter. On New Year's Eve, Amanda met back up with her brother outside in Times Square. David wasn't invited to a celebration between Amanda and a college girlfriend, but he came anyway. Amanda suspected he just wanted to get a good look at Monica Chang, her first foray into a same-sex relationship. Monica Chang was a world-class biathlete from Colorado. She and Amanda met back in college. Monica brought out a side of Amanda she didn't know existed. The first time they kissed felt like magic. The few months they dated in secret were the best in Amanda's life. Unfortunately, Monica grew upset that Amanda wouldn't tell her family about the relationship. Amanda made the mistake of waiting too long to step out of the closet and lost one of the most influential people in her life because of it. The split was a long time coming but still left Amanda devastated. It took a while for them to move on, but Monica and Amanda maintained their friendship. Amanda dated several women since Monica. She'd even summoned the courage to tell her family. Most of them, save for David, shunned her, but it was still a big step forward. The anticipation of seeing Monica again had Amanda sweating through her split-bottom top. She'd tried at least 50 outfit combinations and still felt she wasn't classy enough. Meanwhile, David just threw on a pair of jeans and a sweater. He couldn't know the amount of pressure to perform weighing heavy on Amanda's mind. Nothing mattered more that night than earning Monica's approval. A 27-degree night in the heart of New York City meant a winter coat covered up Amanda's stylish ensemble. Monica flew into New York to meet mutual friends in the city. Amanda jumped at the chance to invite her for a New Year's Eve night out on the town. With minutes to go before the ball drop on Times Square, the guest of honour still hadn't arrived. Amanda searched the mob of people for any sign of Monica, hoping she'd make it in time. I don't think she's coming, said David. Don't say that. Amanda's green eyes roved around Times Square. She'll be here. As luck would have it, a tipsy Monica Chang found her way through the mob of people waving red balloons topped with gilded streamers. The 26-year-old Chinese-American, wasted, made up for her lateness by arriving with a pink tiara for Amanda. Happy New Year, greeted Monica. She'd always been fashionable, 
but she arrived wearing a leather jacket over a dress and jeans that night. It was an odd combination, but she pulled it off with style. You know this is the start of the new millennium because there's no year zero. David rolled his eyes as he sipped his cocktail. Oh, brother. She's got a point, said Amanda, who would have agreed with Monica if she announced the world was flat. It's like a minute till the ball drops. Where the hell have you been? Monica had a reputation for being a bit flighty. Look around, Amanda. There are like a million people here. Trying to find you is like searching for a needle in a haystack. Hey, did you get a letter for the training camp too? Amanda wasn't sure she heard Monica over the roar of the crowd. You got one? What are you guys talking about? Wondered David. It's nothing. Amanda waved him away like she was batting a fly. Just some weird invitation to a training camp. They don't even have a name or a website. I'm going, said Monica with a shrug. Amanda couldn't contain her shock. I thought you were smart, Mon. This has to be the single dumbest idea you've ever had. You're going to get kidnapped. They're not asking for any money, defended Monica. Besides, for kidnappers, they've done their homework. All the top female athletes in the world have received an invitation. Amanda couldn't be more confused. What on earth do these people think they're doing? Hosting a second Olympics? Monica grinned ear to ear. Now, aren't you a little curious? You should go, encouraged David. I can't, argued Amanda. As an accountant, it would be the most irresponsible thing for her to do. It's the height of tax season. David tried another tactic. Look, this is simple. You're a top-of-the-line all-star. What would you rather do? Punch numbers trapped in a cubicle? Or train with the top athletes in the world? When he phrased it like that, Amanda knew her answer. Well, I guess I could... The thunderous roar of the crowd welcoming the new year drowned out Amanda's voice. The first seconds of 2001 found Monica's lips against Amanda's. A blizzard of confetti showered down upon them like snow. It was just a quick New Year's kiss, but Amanda's smile didn't go away for weeks. March 2001 Situated east of Oakland, El Dorado Ranch and Campground sat on 50,000 acres of land. The ranch hosted a series of small cabins, a wide field, a pool, an amphitheatre and a few livestock. The organisers had gone out of their way to make sure there would be no disruptions. All the staff members who met them wore fake smiles and spoke in whispers. Amanda and Monica selected to room in cabin seven. They received no instructions except a blank smile from camp staff and orders to report to the amphitheatre later that day. It was hard not to flash back to summer camp as she set up her spot on a wireframe mattress which looked like it had seen better days. 
Did any of the staff seem a little off to you? wondered Amanda. Monica's observation skills weren't quite as honed as Amanda's. You and all those mystery books you read. I think they might be messing with your brain. You can't go through life always suspecting people are hiding something. This is why you struggle to get along with people. I get along with you just fine, countered Amanda. The painful squeak of a mouldy mattress near the cabin door signalled the arrival of their third tenant. The woman before Amanda couldn't be much older than 25. She stood at five feet even, perhaps shorter. Amanda felt safe, deciding she had to be a gymnast. Wavy brown hair got in her face as she brushed it away, and she wouldn't stop rubbing her forehead. Monica, always one to hug the Queen of England if given a chance, stuck out her hand. I'm Monica Chang. What's your name? The petite gymnast regarded her with a disdainful look and went back to assembling her corner of the cabin. Amanda tried a different tactic, eager to prove Monica wrong about her people skills. I don't recall ever seeing you before. What sport do you compete in? The gymnast continued to treat Amanda like she was invisible. Amanda considered this a challenge. Are you married? Dating? Is it complicated? Polygamy type situation. Hey, I'm not judging. The gymnast finally gave up and stormed out of the cabin. You realize this means war? shouted Amanda after her. Monica started to unpack. Yeah, you don't need work. You're perfect. Well, it's about time somebody noticed, quipped Amanda. Amanda didn't see the gymnast again until the opening speech at the amphitheatre. All the women at the camp assembled at three. This was the first time they would get the answers they sought, and everyone was curious about this training camp. There were fewer women in attendance than Amanda thought there would be. Many who received an invitation chose not to show up. It was a chilly night, so everyone wore pullovers and sweatpants. A few women showed up with makeup, though Amanda didn't know whom they were trying to impress. The campground didn't have a nightclub. Monica wanted to sit in the first row, but Amanda saw the gymnast in the third row and squeezed through a group of Brazilians to sit beside her. The five-foot-nothing gymnast wouldn't even let Amanda open her mouth before scooting down as far as she could to the other end of the bench. The entire amphitheatre, a buzz with activity just a second before, then went silent. The cause of the sudden wave of shock and awe was clear as day. A thirty-something Hispanic man stood before the assembly of women. He was an Adonis, with a square jaw and high cheekbones. The cold air ruffled his jet-black hair and a beard groomed to precision layered his face. But it wasn't his handsome features that made everyone speechless. It was his wings. It's time for you to open up your mind. The rugged Hispanic man spread his black wings to show off his impressive feathers. And think a little outside the box. 
The man's wings so entranced Amanda that she didn't notice his legs until Monica gasped and pointed them out. His legs! Look at his legs! Starting at the knee, the man's legs became bird-like. Instead of feet, he walked around on a set of talons. The black claws curving off his talons tapped against the stage with every step he took. My name is Rowan Pendercast. He strolled around the stage, far too happy at the way he'd left all the women speechless. I owe you all an explanation. There's no easy way to break the news to you. There's another world called Fabella. That is where my associates and I are from. Amanda watched as the staff members of the camp all removed the magical disguises they had been wearing. Medallions clattered to the stage. People with hooves, pointed ears, green skin and even antennas revealed themselves. A woman nearest Amanda underwent the most drastic transformation of all. Her skin turned candy apple red as aquamarine hair fell over her powerful shoulders. Slits along her long neckline opened up to kiss the air. A thin membrane spread between her delicate fingers, giving her webbed hands. She looked almost like an aquatic creature, maybe even a... Amanda was afraid to say it out loud. A mermaid. Amanda began to get over the initial shock, and now began to lean forward, her attention rapt on every word Rowan said. Fabella is much like Earth. We have cities, schools, and spot. Rowan paused a little bit, like an expert showman. That leads me to the whole point of this training camp. Every three years we hold a worldwide championship called the Paragon Tournament. All the nations send their best athletes to compete. This year, one of you will get the opportunity to compete in this hallowed tradition of athleticism. Amanda was right. It was a second Olympics. This year, the Paragon Tournament will be in Camelot, Avalon. I am the lead coach for the island nation of Alexandra, in an event called the Dodecaphalon. Rowan continued. The first event is always balance beaming, followed by speedle racing, idle toss, bat, back, ring shots, swing jumping, whoosh, ball, blind tap, 1200 meter dash, the obstacle course, a freestyle event of the athletes choosing, and ring diving. Rowan said these so fast, Amanda forgot about three quarters of the challenge right after he finished. They weren't regular track events like the javelin throw or pole vault, that was for sure. The winner of the dodecaphalon will receive the coveted golden goblet, along with a hefty financial sum worth millions. Then, there it was. Rowan whipped off a satin blanket over an object on a nearby pedestal to unveil a treasured artefact. If there was such a thing as the Holy Grail, this was it. A glittering gilded cup 
with a diameter the size of Amanda's head, encrusted with a chest full of priceless gemstones. My staff and I will instruct you on how to perform each of these events. Rowan began to draw his opening remarks to a close. At the end of this camp, you will all compete against each other. Only one of you will earn a coveted place on the coalition of Alexandra Paragon team. Rest up, ladies, because tomorrow we begin a grueling few weeks of the most intense training many of you have ever experienced. Sleep tight. Amanda's mind was abuzz with so much activity the next morning she didn't get a wink of sleep the night before. There was a magical world beyond Earth called... Fabio? That didn't sound quite right. Furthermore, this fantasy world was hosting an Olympic event. Breakfast the next morning found 78 people left at the camp. Down from 94 the previous day. Everyone sat in the cafeteria with women from their nation. Amanda and Monica sat with the other Americans, while the gymnast sat with a small squad from the United Kingdom. This is so cool! Monica soaked her pancakes under a flood of maple syrup. She was ready to punch her ticket to the Hogwarts Express the second she caught a glimpse of the Golden Goblet. We get a once-in-a-lifetime chance to compete at a tournament in a magical world. Aren't you excited? Yeah. Something troubling occurred to Amanda. Monica could tell something was on Amanda's mind. Go ahead. Amanda lowered her voice to a whisper. Don't you think there's something a little off about all this? Put yourself in the shoes of all the other athletes competing in the tournament. How would you feel if a rival country recruited a ringer from another world to help them win? She couldn't stop her green eyes from wandering over to Rowan, stroking his trimmed beard. Rowan was recruiting professional athletes to pass themselves off as national citizens. Winning a golden goblet not only had severe moral implications, but might not be kosher. Following Rowan's speech, the camp staff handed out booklets on Fabella. It had this to say about harpies. Though harpies share obvious similarities to average humans, they do not consider themselves men. An average harpy is built like a man, with feathers occasionally growing at various places around the body great big wings to allow them to achieve flight, and their feet end in talons. They think of themselves above matters of land-dwellers and spend considerable amounts of time in the air, on floating islands or high in the mountains. Mostly keeping to themselves throughout history, the spread of writing, astronomy and geography has been attributed to them. Harpies are the first group of people to start mapping Fabella. Thanks to their work, all people had a clear idea of what the whole world looked like fairly early on in history. Rowan had the classic traits of someone with Spanish ancestry, right down to the gorgeous tan and black hair. 
His wings reminded Amanda of those on a crow. He wore an odd shirt that came in two pieces. One was an open-back button-down ensemble. The second piece was a scarf that fit around his neck, with material spreading down the centre of his back between the wings. His shorts ended right at the knee, freeing his bird-like shins and talons for all the world to see. So far, all Amanda knew about the guy were his looks. That was about to change. When Rowan left to head outside, she followed. As Amanda drew even with him, she noticed he was busy craning his neck up at the sky. It's extraordinary that you don't have stars. Amanda followed his gaze, up to the clear blue sky of day. Stars only come out at night. Not in Fabella, said Rowan. How our stars twinkle in the day. And we have aurora across the clear black sky at night. We don't even have mon. Moon, corrected Amanda. Yeah, that. Rowan continued looking up at the sky. Amanda asked the first question that came to her mind. What do you like to read? Rowan thought for a moment. Historical biographies. I love a good mystery, Amanda said, as she walked with him down the dirt road between cabins. I like the puzzle aspect. I like doing puzzles too, said Rowan, trying as hard as Amanda was at attempting to find common ground. Many of the Dodecaphalon events will test your brain power. Extra points are often given to those who display teamwork. How you play says everything about you as a person. I can't coach someone who's uncoachable. That's one of the reasons why I brought you here over other athletes. How was I recruited? asked Amanda. Rowan paused to admire a totem pole outside one of the cabins. For the last year, my associates have been evaluating the top female competitors in the world. It is hard to find someone capable of performing the dodecaphalon. We've been focusing our attention on candidates who show the aptitude to excel at most events. Your file shows that you could be successful at the 1,200-meter dash, idle-toss, swing-jumping, obstacle course, and a freestyle. So far, Amanda liked what she was hearing. Rowan must have found small talk boring, because he rushed on to focus on the heart of the matter. Why don't you ask me what you came out here for? That's going to do it for us today. Paragon Tournament will be available for purchase later this year. If you can't wait that long, email me at archivesoffabella at gmail.com to be put on a wait list as a beta reader. Archives of Fabella is created, hosted, and produced by Dylan Foley, with music by Audioblocks. Books are available on Amazon. As always, look outside of what is possible, and think about what might be.